Welcome to the First Right Podcast, a weekly conservative news show brought to you by Restoration Pack. I'm Doug Truax, founder and president of Restoration Pack. Today we're blessed to have first-time guest and an important voice for conservatism in the pivotal state of Wisconsin. His name is Dan O'Donnell, host of a popular morning talk radio show in Milwaukee on WISN 1160. He also contributes commentary and investigative pieces to the Free Market MacGyver Institute, an organization we closely work with. So Dan has been all over the controversy stemming, stemming from the 2020 election in Wisconsin, and we are here to talk about what he is finding. All right, welcome, Dan. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. All right, so uh, in Wisconsin, you know, our viewers definitely know who you are uh, because of your show and everything, but we have a lot of viewers from not, you know, outside of Wisconsin. So for sure. those folks, give us a background, you know, how you got to where you are, what you've been doing, all that kind of stuff. Well, I've been doing a daily talk show from 9 to 11 Central on WISN Radio and its affiliate WIVA Radio since uh, pretty much, I believe, the beginning of 2017. But I've been in talk radio in various capacities for, geez, almost 20 years now. Uh, I'm actually a, a trained attorney. I don't practice, but I did graduate from law school many, many, many years ago. So I kind of use that as a foundation for my reporting and my show. Oh, great. Well, that explains a lot. <laughs> so you're really good show and you're really digging into things. And the, one of the Thank things you. we want to talk about was this really great article you've got out about the Zuckerberg money. And uh, just give us an overview of that. We're going to put some graphics up while you're talking about it. But this is the infiltration of the 2020 election. Talk us through that a little bit. Well, in the spring of 2020, Zuckerberg announced that he was going to give hundreds of millions of dollars to municipalities through the Center for Tech and Civic Life, a.k.a. CTCL. Here in Wisconsin, five cities that became known as the Wisconsin Five, and they're the five biggest cities in the state and the five most democratic, Milwaukee, Madison, Green Bay, Racine, and Kenosha, decided that they were all going to go together on a joint bid to get some of that sweet, sweet CTCL money. The Racine Common Council, the city council there, basically directed the mayor, a hyperpartisan Democrat by the name of Corey Mason, to go get these other mayors together and submit a joint bid. Now, this is questionable because why is the Racine City Council giving orders to Milwaukee, Green Bay, Kenosha, right. and Madison, right. four cities over which it has no jurisdiction, but the mayors met in a series of Zoom meetings and eventually submitted a bid. What they didn't perhaps realize, or maybe they did, was that the grant money came with condition. And what we know through open records requests regarding the emails from Milwaukee and Green Bay is that CTCL actually required the cities to partner with their pre-approved groups. In Wisconsin, chief among these was the National Vote at Home Institute. As a result, the National Vote at Home Institute's Wisconsin director, Michael Spitzer Rubenstein, he was a younger but still veteran Democrat campaign operative who went to work for the Vote at Home Institute. He had no other ties to Wisconsin. He was basically imported from New York to run Wisconsin's operations. He essentially took over the election in the city of Green Bay. He planned everything. He basically so usurped control from the municipal clerk, Chris Teske, that Teske quit and discussed. This is significant because Wisconsin law states unequivocally 
only the municipal clerk can run elections in Wisconsin. So there you have it. And so this guy is, uh, he's this experienced operative. There's all this money floating around and these, uh, these Democrat sometimes, but liberal uh, bureaucracies and elected officials are like, hey, let's get some of that, those dollars and let's not worry about what comes with it, any strings, and let's just go along with this. And so were the Republicans, you know, where were the conservatives when this was happening? I know we got in this COVID land and everything, exceptions for everything all over the place. What was going on uh, with on the conservative side as far as uh, this whole situation? Well, I don't think, first of all, in these cities, there isn't a huge conservative presence, certainly not in city government, right? These are governments that are almost totally controlled by Democrats. In Milwaukee, for instance, uh, for those outside of Wisconsin, you probably don't know this, the last Republican mayor of Milwaukee left office in 1908. Oh boy. Before 2016, it was the same year that the Chicago Cubs had last won a World Series, which was <laughs> right. sort of joke, right. which right. was more mired in futility, the right. city of Milwaukee or the Chicago Cubs. So these are Democrat-dominated cities, right? And conservatives, I don't think anybody really outside of city government had any idea the extent to which this was going on. And in Green Bay, things got so bad and Spitzer Rubenstein usurped so much control that when the city of Green Bay moved its central count operation to the KI Center, which is the big convention center in Green Bay, it needed a secure room to store all of the ballots, the absentee ballots that had been collected before they'd be counted on election day. The person who had the key to that secure room, who literally signed the contract and was designated as the point of contact for the city of Green Bay, was Michael Spitzer Rubenstein. So wait a second, a guy from a Mark Zuckerberg group is the one with the key to the room with the secure ballot. Now on election day, We've got multiple affidavits from people who saw Spitzer Rubenstein basically giving orders, running the election in direct violation of state law. Now, in the city of Milwaukee, the election commission still essentially ran the election, but it was using significant input from Spitzer Rubenstein. Spitzer Rubenstein was so involved that he was actually demanding from the city of Milwaukee's election commission director, Claire Woodall Vaughn, a daily email with detailed ballot statistics. Where were the absentee ballots still outstanding? Where had ballots been turned in? A ward by ward printout every single day that Woodall Vaughn was providing to Michael Spitzer Rubenstein exclusively. Spitzer Rubenstein eventually got so brazen that he said, hey Claire, uh, wouldn't it be easier if I just had access to the city of Milwaukee's secure voter database? Even Woodall Vogue was like, um, no, I don't feel comfortable with that. It's really no problem. I'll continue giving this exclusive data to you. Now, the operative question is, what was the National Vote at Home Institute doing with these ballot numbers? And why did it have the exclusive data from the city of Milwaukee that nobody else was getting? Those are all great questions, and we're about to find out what's going on, right? You're digging into this, and we're going to get to get to the bottom of this. And I, I hear these kinds of things, and you have these situations now where you've got these leftists, you know, amoral people that are like, hey, we have an opportunity to, you know, cheat or whatever we're going to do. 
however we're going to do it, and they're going to let us take and take. You give them an inch, they're asking for a mile, then they're asking for 10 miles, and they just gave the keys, you know, literally and figuratively uh, to these guys. And so across this, this whole, uh, you know, span of the voter control, the election system, everything, where do you think uh, is the most likely fraud now that you're looking at this? You know, we have the drop boxes, we got absentee, we got all these things are going on. What do you think, which part is the most likely place for fraud in, based on all your uh, investigative work so far? In the city of Milwaukee, uh, and we're still working on this, it's very difficult because obviously we can't use the Freedom of Information Act to request uh, information or emails from a private organization like the National Vote at Home Institute, right? right? What it is my very strong suspicion is that the National Vote at Home Institute was using the data that the city of Milwaukee was providing to send volunteers or paid organizers to go to the homes of people who had not yet submitted ballots and either quote unquote, help them fill out the ballots or simply get the ballots from them and fill them out themselves. Now, it's impossible to prove who filled out a ballot without a full and complete audit where you do signature matching of the right. ballot, uh, you know, the, the, the vote uh, uh, request, the ballot request form, and then who actually signed the ballot. But I think what was also going on is I've been reporting on this as well. The average ballot rejection rate in Wisconsin for a given election is about 1%, right? So 1% of ballots across the state get rejected for various reasons. In the November 2020 election, that number dropped to 0.2%. Right. Even though more people were filling out mail-in absentee ballots than ever before by a factor of 10, for goodness sakes, nobody was making any mistakes. It is my strong suspicion that the Vote at Home Institute was working with these cities to say, okay, here's what you can do. You can cure these ballots yourself, or if there are minor mistakes, look, we wanna make sure that every vote is counted so let's just overlook these mistakes and count the ballots anyway. And we actually know that the Wisconsin Election Commission, which runs elections in this state, was giving unlawful advice to municipal clerks for four years, saying if something is wrong on the ballot, state law says that you've got to send the ballot back to the voter and the voter has to cure the ballot. That's state law. That's unequivocal state law. For four years, the Election Commission has been saying, well, you know what, we can ignore that and the clerk can cure the ballot. You don't have to send it back to the voter because the voter might never return the ballot once it's been cured or might never actually cure the ballot. So it's my strong suspicion that these cities were simply instructing election workers to violate state law in accordance with the Wisconsin Election Commission's illegal guidelines and just get as many votes as humanly possible. If they're not signed, who cares? If the ballot is filled out improperly, who cares? Count it anyway. That's what I believe was going on. Yeah, and so they've been doing some version of this in a, in a much more watered-down, tame way. And then COVID comes along. You can't waste a crisis here. Yep. And so it's like, hey, everybody take your hands completely off the wheel. Get it all in. doesn't matter. And they knew that along the way they were going to get a lot more of their votes than they would get of anything else. And so that's how it turns out. And I couldn't agree with you more. We're doing our own digging right now, as you know. And, uh, yeah, we're – we're looking at some of this stuff too, and I don't. I think that that's going to be right in line with what happened. I mean, they took their hands off the wheel. This whole thing—it's really terrible. Yeah, and what they were doing is basically trying to get as many votes in Democrat cities only. Right. And there's a certain modicum of plausible deniability, right? Because they can say, "Well, we were just going to the biggest population centers." National Vote at Home Institute (CTCL). We're partnering with the biggest cities in the states because you know we want as many people voting as possible. Well when you're admitting you're only going to the biggest cities, 
everyone knows that those are huge concentrations of Democrat votes. Milwaukee, Madison, those vote 80 to 90% Democrat every single time. If you're only juicing turnout in those cities or in the five biggest cities with the highest Democrat concentrations of voters, you're obviously giving a partisan advantage to the Democrats. And that is my strong suspicion about what was going on. They could say, oh, well, we just want to improve turnout. And, and why is right. it the city of Prairie Duchesne or Eau Claire? Why aren't they partnering with the grants? Well, because the CTCL was only interested in the big Democrat cities and was pumping most of its money into the key swing states. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, all right, Dan, lots of problems here. Uh, we got same day registration in Wisconsin still. That's pretty entrenched, but there's lots of stuff we can talk about on this. But what do you think is the number one change that needs to be enacted here to go forward to fix this problem? Election day needs to be election day, not election month, not election six weeks, election day, as the Constitution provides for because all that's happened as we've expanded absentee voting again and again and again is that it's giving bad actors weeks instead of 12 hours in which to commit bad acts, in which right. to potentially commit massive amounts of fraud. Right. We need to get back to absentee balloting only with an excuse and to get rid of mail-in balloting altogether. There's a reason that in 2005, a bipartisan commission co-chaired by Jimmy Carter, of all people, concluded that absentee mail-in balloting was the single biggest source of fraud. There's a reason why this has not been used in most Western countries, most first world countries just don't use absentee mail-in balloting because it's so easy to defraud. Well, we saw all of the problems that arose for the first time when we had primarily a mail-in election in 2020. Get rid of mail-in balloting, excuse-only absentee balloting. Everyone has the ability to show up at the polls on election day. It's nonsensical to allow people to have six, eight, 10, 12 weeks of voting. It, it's, it's ridiculous. We need to get back to election day. Yeah, total common sense stuff. And most Americans, 85% of the people you talk to about this are like, yeah, I guess that, make, that makes more sense than what we're doing. So absolutely right. So, well, hey, Dan, really uh, love your work. Great stuff. Really appreciate you coming on today and love to have you back and talk about some upcoming developments that we'll have. And I'm sure you'll have some as well, too. So thanks for coming on. Absolutely. I'd love to anytime. Well, all right. That's our show for today. Thank you so much for tuning in and for supporting conservative media. Don't ever forget working together and staying diligent. We conservatives can bring our country back to true greatness. So until next time, let's all keep praying that God will continue to bless America. First Right, a new kind of news summary without liberal slant. Every morning in your inbox, always free. Subscribe now at restorationofamerica.com slash firstright or text firstright to 1-312-820-9167.